0: Hello, this is Scott Gents. Welcome to Sandbox Stories. Welcome to this sandbox story which is an interview with dr janine sims dr sims is on faculty at the university of alabama birmingham and her experience and leadership includes working with their outreach arm called the community eye care initiative and her commitment to others is really special and i look forward to learning more about it today with you Uh, dr sims it's my distinct pleasure to welcome you to sandbox Stories.
1: thank you so much for inviting me today
0: Uh, I'm so glad to have you here. We've just met, and I want to start with this. I learned that you grew up on a farm. Yes. Tell us about those early days of your life.
1: It was awesome. My, My dad was one of 14 children, and he was the one who decided to stay on the farm. Everyone else moved away, but he decided to stay. So... He decided to have three children, so that's a big difference. So we were very, very busy, but we loved it. We um, had animals, so we had cows and we had pigs. We had goats that were just there. To nibble on the grass and keep <laughs> and keep things looking good, but but in 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 terms of the we had chickens, we had turkeys, so those were like our animals on the farm. Um, in terms of things that we grew, we grew lots of different types of vegetables. So we had all kinds of peas, butter beans, squash, zucchini, yellow squash. We had cucumbers, tomatoes, turnips collards, sweet potatoes, watermelons, corn, peanuts. <laughs> so so just a little bit of everything. So um our su- summers would always start early <laughs> um, uh, before school was out, and we would be pretty busy throughout the summer. And in the fall of the year, of course, that was the time for the peanuts. And um, we also did things with our pine trees, with turpentine. So we would do things with that. So so not so much me and my sister, but, but my brother, of course, and my dad. But, but so there was something to do year-round on the farm for sure. Where was this farm? In Georgia. Okay. Small town in Georgia called Milan, M-I-L-A-N and I found out uh, probably about two years ago they had a celebration of the town and it was actually named after Milan. The oh, person, really? yes, the person who established our town uh, built railroads and he would send his wife all around uh the world. And so she would go and visit places and she would name the towns. And so we were, I'm actually from Milan, Georgia, but I, we've been Milan this entire time. <laughs> you, you you told a
0: story and something that I read about your dad delivering vegetables to others. What's the story behind that?
1: Well, we would get in his green pickup truck And once we'd gotten things together, we would go go around to sell. So he would sell to some of the local stores. But we would also sell to folks locally. But some folks couldn't afford to purchase it. And it was this little lady that lived around the corner from us. And he would stop by and say, hey, do you want some peas? And she would say, no, no, I don't want any. And he would say, well, that's okay. This is just a little bunch and it's not enough for a bushel for someone else. So I'm just going to share it with you. And so he, he would stop and give vegetables. So he would, we would always have plenty so we could share with others. So, so that, that was just his way of saying, you know, I'm going to give it to you anyway. We knew she couldn't afford it, but he was able to help her out and she could have some fresh uh fresh vegetables as well
0: that must have had quite an
1: impact on you yeah because because no no matter what you have you can always assist others that's that's what my parents taught taught us you know it really doesn't matter and that's what his dad his parents taught them because it was so many of them, you think, oh my goodness, who can you help out, right, with 14 kids? Well, a lot. People would come and visit with them during the summers. They would always give food to others and things. And it's like, okay, well, we've we've got to uh, hog that we're going to kill for this, so we can share some meat with these folks. Or so we've we've got a cow, we can share this. So so it was passed down from my grandfather to my dad, and then he just kept the tradition going. I think.
0: One other farm story. I understand you know how to gi- drive John Deere tractors.
1: Oh yes. <laughs> that's all we had was John Deere. <laughs> so yes, uh, I could drive drive a tractor because when when we were load the watermelons, we would get this um big trailer and so you would just drive it and park and sometimes just load the things things up and so so it it was just normal for me. <laughs> it was fun. It was lots of fun. Watermelons are heavier than they look. And that's why I was stronger than what I looked <laughs> Yeah, it was. You know, <laughs> I played sports. My brother played sports. My sister played sports. There, you know, now the kids do weight training, right? And they have the personal trainer. <laughs> we had the farm. You know, you were just. Yeah, up in, a room in Wisconsin, I had a lot of very strong farm. Kids just, kids just strong, and it's just because you know lifting and and a bushel of butter beans is. Ooh, it's a lot. It's a lot. But you just got used to lifting things and loading them up and and um my dad would go to the farmers market and sell sell things as well. So we would go to it to the Atlanta market and just go on a Friday night be there for during uh, Saturday and sell, sell things and come back home. So it was just, it was just great just smelling the, the um, fresh fruits and things. And so now when I walk into a store, if I can't smell a cantaloupe, I'm like, really? I should be able to smell this, you know? And people are, like, you know, folks have walked up to me in the store and say, what are you doing? I'm thumping. The melon. And they say, what? What what do you listen for? And I and so then I'm trying to describe, okay, if your thud is too low, it's too ripe. If it's too high, it's it's not ripe enough. It's gotta be right in the middle. So I'm showing this lady. And so she's just thumping. It it was hilarious, but it's like it's an art. It's our wife. I, my wife
0: may call you because she okay. keeps telling me that I need to hear the hollowness in the watermelon. And, and I'm not sure either of us really know what we're listening
1: to. <laughs> well, I've got to find you one that's not ripe and too ripe. So, so you'll know, but if it's really low, it's like, mm-mm, that's, that's, that's too ripe. That's God. too ripe. So, <laughs> but a smell smell is good. If you can smell your melon and you haven't cut it open that is a good thing with 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 a cantaloupe. That's this. That's a fresh smell. It's like oh, I know that one's ready. You know.
0: I mean, the audience has only been at this five minutes, and they've already become smarter. <laughs>
1: okay. So
0: let's talk about eye care. Okay. What or who motivated you to get into eye care?
1: My hometown optometrist, Doctor Altman. He and his dad had a practice, and um, one. You know, because I'm from a small town, if you would do things academically, you would get in the newspaper. Okay, so he saw my name in the paper for some different things that were going on. And he said, so I see your name a lot. So what are you going to do when you finish high school? I said, well, I want to do something in science or engineering, you know, because engineering was really big. So I'm thinking along those lines. And he said, why don't you look into optometry? I was in the 10th grade. So that very same year, a few weeks later, one of our uh, teachers said, I want you guys to do a career project. And I said, I'm going to look into optometry. And that's exactly what I did. So since the 10th grade, I can thank Dr. Altman for this. Um, He put it in my head as a possibility because We're a small profession, so not a lot of people, you know, they have the shows on television. Oh, I want to be a surgeon. I want to do this. But they don't really think about optometry. So that's what really made me look into it. And I said, you know what? Everybody needs great vision. So this is definitely something I think I could do and haven't changed my course since. So,
0: Well, in fact... You really were driven because you not only got your B.S. and O.D. degrees at UAB, but then you got a Ph.D. in vision science. What drove you to that level of educational success? Because it's beyond what most of us in optometry have done.
1: Well, um, you when I finished my residency and I started um, working in Birmingham because so many people fall in love with Birmingham when they come to optometry school, they um, really don't wanna leave, okay? So at that time, there were not a lot of of positions. So um, one of the doctors that I worked with here, Dr. Kleinstein, uh, was going to start a, a, a study And he needed some doctors to do the study. And he said, Hey, uh, you can be part time and work on this, but if you get your PhD, you can do this full time. So you'll do your PhD work and you'll do this other working with the CLEAR study. And how does that sound? And I'm like, Sounds great, because my husband was still in school at the time. So he was in medical school finishing up, and, and, and we, we had a daughter as well. So I'm like, full-time work sounds good, good to me. So that's how the Ph.D. started. Um, and so I was trying to decide on what did I want to research, and so I'm looking at different things. And so I was looking at just a way to detect glaucoma earlier in patients, so that's what my research was on. Fantastic. Mm -hmm.
0: And you've really been driven in support of the community, whether it's your children's schools or your church or otherwise. Um, I get the hint, right, from the family lineage and it's part of who you are, but tell me a little bit about what's driven you to the support of the community outside of optometry.
1: If I see something that needs to be done, or that's not being done, you know. I just jump in. My um both my kids were in sports. Okay, so my daughter played basketball, she was in the band, son was in the band basketball, they both played lacrosse. And so my son's junior year, because he had played lacrosse from middle school all the way up, and his his uh junior year they didn't have enough at his high school to play lacrosse. And so he was going to have to join a rival team, you know, and he's like, I'm not going to make them better. No, not going to do it. So he switched over to track. The minute I walked into the track team, I became a team mom and I'm like, wait a minute. I just got here. How did this happen? I was, yeah, I was a basketball mom. I was the lacrosse mom. I was the band mom. But I walked onto the scene and it's like, okay, they need some more tents. So we bought a tent. Okay. Um, I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to do videos. And, oh, I think I'll post these things on Twitter. So I became the official tweeter for the, it's like, I don't know. I get myself in trouble sometimes, but kids love those pictures and photographs. I love taking pictures. That's something I got from my dad, my dad as well. And um, so I would post pictures of them and they would be, so. oh, thanks Miss Sims. Thanks Miss Sims. This is so nice. And then bringing the coolers with the snacks and this. I was an instant team mom and it's nothing that I tried to do, but I don't know, and so it, his senior year, they said, "Are you going to come back with us?" I'm like, "Come on, guys! I got to move on to college with them too, you know." So, <laughs> but it was crazy. I think it just naturally fits some
0: people, and obviously, it's it's related to your love, of your family, and your kids, and, and helping them get something out of it. Tell us about this UAB community eye care team. Um, I know you've served as director there. Um, what has what was the genesis of that, and what is it all about?
1: For almost 50 years, the community eye care program has been a part of UAB's curriculum. Um, and it basically started as a training arm for our second-year students, so the ones who were learning how to do eye exams in the pre-clinic, this was their turn to get out and see patients themselves. So let's say, okay, we're going to go see preschool children and do vision screenings because all of the Head Start kids um, here in the state of Alabama, or and I, and probably across the nation, have to have screenings for certain things since those are federally um, uh, 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 programs. Uh, they have to have certain screenings to make sure the kids are where they're supposed to be so they can do well in school and have a head start before they go into kindergarten. So um, we started doing that back when Dr. Perry, who who was my mentor as a student, um, he was uh he had he retired back in twenty twenty but he's he's the one that got me i think to love community eye care because he truly loved going into the community, seeing the kids, and we went from just screening preschool kids to screening adults. To now having a clinic in the community where we do full eye exams. So, over the 50 year period, it has just changed and evolved. And it not only involves the second year students, but it involves the third year students as well as the fourth year students. So, we keep growing and changing. And this past weekend, we actually went to an area of Alabama known as the Black Belt. Um, Uh, which was named for the rich black soil along the Warrior River. And it's also some of the areas that are the poorest in the state. And it's because a lot of farms used to be there around those areas, but now they're no longer farming and you have people who've lost jobs or unemployed. So so we go down once a month to provide eye exams um, to those areas, and we have partners with with different groups who help us uh, provide glasses for them as well, at no charge. That's tremendous.
0: And and it sounds, again, like you're all about the collective success, but you must have been proud. UAB recognized you with the Odessa Wolfwork Community Service Award. And I know it's not about your recognition, but um, this is related to you carrying on what was there before you. And it sounds like um, they recognized you for it. Congratulations on that.
1: Thank you so much. That is such an honor because Dr. Woolfolk was was such a pioneer and did, did so much. And she was a faculty member here at UAB. And so when she retired, they decided to honor her with 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 this award, so I was deeply honored to receive that this year.
0: yeah, that's wonderful, and it also sounds like this community eye care process isn't just about screening now you've involved other mm-hmm. students and you have this continuum um, What can others learn that aren't around uh, optometry college as wonderful as uABs that Um, maybe are just out on their own? What would you advise other doctors to do that maybe are listening to this and are a little motivated by you?
1: I um, teach a, a professional communications class or intro to clinic course for the students, and I have them to go out into the community and do speeches about eye care or getting to optometry school. So I've got some students who will be talking to a pre-optometry club because I'm always promoting optometry. But I tell them when you get out into practice and the patients aren't flowing in, you may have to go into a school and do a vision screening. So now you know how to do one how to set one up because you've been a part of community eye care and that gets your name out there and you're able to detect problems and issues and also get those folks into your practice so that they can get the eye care that they need.
0: Yeah. Uh, Going into schools myself early in my career, um, I didn't do the screenings part, but communicating with the teachers and Mm -hmm. the students, giving the students a sense of the importance of their site, which often is just, as we all know, under under, under understood, if that's a word, Um, I I think it's um, a great thing that you're motivating the young people to do. I wanna also talk about the work you did in 2020. You created something called I Care for Justice. Mm -hmm. Um, You're the leader of UAB's diversity committee. What advice do you have about uh, optometry understanding the need to drive diversity and equity in our collective consciousness?
1: we we were having our weekly faculty meetings back during the shut the shutdown and um we would talk about what's going on and everything and i said we're missing something we're missing these things that are in the news these are uh, these alarming uh, social injustice these things that that were going on it's like i wanted our meetings to be more meaningful Okay, And so at at one meeting, I said, "Okay, I'm going to bring some things up, you know, and on that meeting, we had only four or five people that showed up because people were gone for the day, not there. But it was a fantastic meeting. And after that meeting, because it was the dean um, and maybe four more faculty members. But after that meeting, I brought some things up. I said, I think we really need to do something. And so after that, we got with some of the students and the staff. And so I designed this logo, (laughs) um, which was basically an eye chart that said, we see you. I care for justice. And, you know, we made the shirts and the signs and everything. And we just had... A staff member, a student, and a faculty member to to just basically talk about what was going on and just basically our stand in support of justice for everyone and and it's like as optometrists we should be able to see the injustices that were going on so so that's that's how it initially started and from that I started writing this um, uh, little these articles every week or so uh, in our teachable moments section for our uh, e-newsletter for the school. And so I would take things from 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 the headlines and put in there some things, just historical things, you know, last year for uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is October October, I wrote something on Henrietta Lacks just so they would know, you know, these, I'm I'm just teaching you about some history of how we know about this, this cell line and everything. So, so, so I think it just made, made, made me just communicate more. And some of the retired faculty who get the newsletter, they're like, man, I enjoyed these bits. And I'm like, yes, they're reading them. So, so, so I have really enjoyed that really.
0: And and do you get the sense that the students of, of all races are reading and understanding and connecting with this? I think this younger generation is very committed to um, more acceptance than there was certainly when you and I were growing mm-hmm. up. Is that the case?
1: I think it is. I am also the advisor for the National Optometric Student Association, which is one of the organizations here we have um, – a great chapter here at the school and it's made up of all different types of students but the purpose is the same which is to promote optometry to minority populations and and to get the word out about eye conditions that may affect certain groups but we've we've had some um uh they've done some things throughout the year nationally and locally to talk about issues and to, and and to discuss things. And I don't know that that would have happened back when I was in optometry school. So, so, so the students are definitely more open to things and, and, and they've sponsored different talks. And so this month, well, from October, from September the 15th through October 15th was Hispanic heritage month. They actually, um, uh, had a speaker last week who came and talked to talk about her journey uh, from from Columbia to optometry school. So 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 we they are definitely more more open to things and just trying to learn about different cultures and just share share this information with others.
0: Yeah, thanks for doing all that. Um, let's finish with this. I understand you're quite a singer.
1: Um, <laughs> yes what what's been your... singing in church anymore <laughs> because I've been zooming so <laughs> but well we won't
0: ask you to sing here, but what is your favorite song to sing, and why
1: mm, my favorite song probably it 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 would be one of the songs from church um and I sung it. At my grandmother's funeral, so that's that's probably gonna be my favorite. It's my soul has been anchored, and um, that's a favorite of. of what does
0: it What does it mean to you? What, what, I mean, that's that's really
1: wonderful. the 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 song starts. off, say though, though the storms keep on raging in my life, and sometimes I can't tell the night from day. And basically, through all of that, because your soul is anchored in the Lord, you you can hold on. You can be strong. You can make it through. So so that's definitely one of my favorites. That's wonderful.
0: Last uh, opportunity to give a message to your fellow optometrists. What do you have to give them here, uh, as we close in toward the end of 2021? I'm always recruiting.
1: I want every optometrist to be a recruiter. I want them to share information about our profession to up and coming, I mean, middle school, elementary, it doesn't matter, I'm always recruiting. If I have a kid in the chair and, and they, I said, what do you wanna do when you graduate? Mm, I don't know, I said, what's your favorite subject? Oh, I like math, Ooh, guess what has a lot of math? So I want them to be recruiters, whether they work at an optometry school or not. Be like Dr. Altman was for me. You be that person who's, who's introducing people to something that's not on Grey's Anatomy, that's, you know, not on House. Let's introduce them to a great profession and keep it growing and keep it going. Okay. Oh.
0: Dr. Janine Sims, thank you for your willingness to tell us your many stories. Uh, What a great motivation you've given me and the audience this morning. Thanks for everything. Thank
1: you so much for having me. And to the
0: audience, thanks for attending and paying attention to Dr. Sims' stories. Until my next sandbox story, be great at all you do.